Welcome to the Teen Life Podcast, where we believe that teenagers are not a problem to be solved, but we are here to help you equip teenagers through the power of connection. I'm Carly Duke, and I am here with Chris Roby. Hey, guys. So, Chris, we are in this super fun series on mental health. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if series is the right term, but we've been talking about mental health and mm-hmm. Last episode, we talked about anxiety, and I kind of wanted to come back around to that conversation a little bit and dive deeper into panic attacks, which mm-hmm. can come from anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is something that I'll hear teenagers kind of talk about offhanded. Um, some, mm-hmm. you could tell, have genuinely experienced this. Some, it's kind of a, you know, where they talk about using, you know, depressed or anxious in kind of a, a, a non-clinical way. Uh, you'll hear teenagers talk about this. Um, nothing I've experienced before, but sounds absolutely uh, terrifying. Yeah, it can be. And before we even started recording, we were talking about that. I think this is being shown in pop culture more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I'm reading, even in books, like we'll mention anxiety and then like panic disorders as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned Ted Lasso. If you watch that show, um, the main character, Ted, has some anxiety and it, shows him having panic attacks the Mm -hmm. newest puss in boots last wish movie (laughs) the cat had a panic attack and so you you're seeing it more often if you want to see in real life and in cartoon form we got you covered (laughs) exactly so if you google like those things i'm sure you can find a youtube video that is going to show you a cartoon cat having a panic attack Mm -hmm. if you're not sure what this looks like but A panic attack in my research is defined as a sudden sharp rise in anxiety accompanied by emotional and physical symptoms. That's a great great definition. Yeah. And so emotional symptoms are typically things like intense fear, discomfort, this sense of impending doom, a lot of times like a fear that you're going crazy Mm. or other sensations of like unreality of like not sure what's real and what's not real. Mm. Um, Physical symptoms are things like shortness of breath, sweating, choking, chest pain, nausea, dizziness, numbness, tingling like in your hands and feet. And I know I have not ever had a panic attack, but from people I've talked to, what I hear often is like sometimes if it's especially the first one, people think they're dying. Hmm. That it can feel like this very extreme, like I can't think, I can't move. I think something is very wrong. I might be having a heart attack. Like those kind of things run through your mind. It almost seems like as, you, as you're describing this, like when you um, wake up from a really bad dream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like your body isn't functioning and you're breathing fast and you're scared and you don't know what's real, what's not real, those kinds of things. That, that sounds, you know, like a waking bad dream. Right. And I've had friends who have had these before. Um on both ends of the scale of like, didn't know that they really struggled with anxiety and then had a panic attack that like kind of came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then also friends who had anxiety and was seeking help for it and had panic attacks as well that Mm -hmm. were stopping them from doing things. Um, But like I said, I know from their experience, which I'm sure everyone's is different. It can look like, Hey, I can't move. Like I need someone to come get me. I can't drive. I am just like, feel very stuck. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think there are lots of reasons for why this can take place. Obviously, anxiety can be a trigger for it, but even things like lack of sleep or extreme stress 
or being in an environment where um, something is just triggered that's more extreme can lead to these panic attacks. Now, following a panic attack, especially probably for our teenagers, if they're having them for the first time, many worry that they're going to have other attacks. Mm. And so they might try to avoid situations that they believe will trigger them. Um, And then that also kind of leads, it's kind of like this unhealthy cycle that can lead to like this fearful anticipation. So they're avoiding normal activities. They're avoiding routines, which can lead to more stress, more anxiety, which could lead to more panic attacks. And so you can kind of see how this could get a little messy. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, a panic attack is, you know, your body kind of taking over uh, when it feels out of control due to stress. But if you're trying to take control of it, it's almost like it makes it worse. Mm-hmm. And that's where this turns into what they call a panic disorder, which is when a person worries so much about having a panic attack that they will begin to avoid places or situations that they associate with panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes, it's not just an attack, it's a disorder because it's affecting their life. Now, yeah, I did very find- very disruptive, very disruptive. Yes, yes. And I did find research says that panic disorders are more common among girls than boys. Mm. And they usually emerge in adolescence. So between the ages of 15 and 19 is gotcha. when you'll kind of see them starting to come. Now, for if you're wondering, okay, what panic attacks, like I said, can look different, but what can I expect- I read that they usually peak at about 10 minutes and then they abate by about a half hour. Um, and so usually they can last 30 minutes-ish. They can be shorter than that too, but they'll typically peak around 10 minutes. So it's not just like I had a thought and I have a minute of feeling really panicked and then it goes away. Like These can be longer mm-hmm. and can last for a while. Um, and then some people have ongoing symptoms even after like the initial attack has happened. Well, I know, you know, way back, um, knowing, knowing people who had some, uh, who had a loved one who had a, a panic attack and they just didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Like it was very frightening. It, it was almost like you didn't know if, you know, were they having a seizure? Right. Um, was there, you know, something other neurological going on and um, was frightening not only for the family, but those who were trying to help and get, help there because you know this is i don't know how relatively new this is um and you know and the zeitgeist so to speak but you know it it doesn't look like i think oftentimes what you think it it is Mm -hmm. and so um you know sometimes ambulances are called and sometimes you know they're you know emergency service because they don't know what they're dealing with at the time Mm -hmm. and you don't know my kid having a heart attack um, any of these kinds of things. And so this can be a really frightening situation for a caregiver or a helper of any kind because um, you just don't know what you're dealing with because you don't see them that often. Right. And I think especially like what you're saying, if it's a teenager and they've never had one before, they have no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times they can think like something medically is very wrong or I think I'm dying, like I said, like some of those feelings can creep in because you're right. It looks different for different people. And if you've never experienced that, like I said, I've never experienced that. And I think if something like that happened to me, I'd be like, something is very wrong Mm -hmm. Um, and trying to figure out how to deal with that. And so I do want to talk about like ways that we as helpers and adults can help um, if you're in a situation with a teenager who is having or has had panic attacks. So one of the first things that I kept seeing over and over again is if they are having a panic attack, try to name it. Mm. They're not dying. They're not going crazy. Um, 
there's nothing like broken in them, but say like, hey, you're having a panic attack. It's going to be okay. And even in the moment, if that doesn't feel okay, I think naming it gives power to the person of, oh, I know what's happening to my body and not just, I feel very out of control. Well, and think about Carly times in your life, you kind of take panic attack out of the conversation, but when you were having a moment where you felt very out of control, Mm -hmm. when you had a voice that was in control, who spoke into that, right. Mm -hmm. And was it, you know, said, it's going to be okay. Look at this, look at this, look at this, any of those things. Um, you know, that for, for a teenager who's, who is literally out of control with their body, they're not, not able to control their breathing or their heart rate, um, or their physical body, um, to have someone step in and say, Hey, you're not dying mm-hmm. <laughs> would really, you know, at least tell their minds to tell their bodies, Hey, chill, you're, you're going to be okay. You know? And so it might not be that simple, but also right. too, just to know that, you know, you are, you know, as we talk about being shockproof all the time on here, and this is like the mm-hmm. ultimate shockproof, right? Yeah. Um, being cool and calm, knowing they're going to be okay. Right. And that goes back to like, as an adult, if you know the signs and symptoms where you can kind of recognize it, even if they can't, mm-hmm. to have someone go, hey, I know what's going on right now would be, I feel like, very comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, also go back, if you didn't listen to last episode, in the tip, we talked about how to be a non-anxious presence. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things come into this as well. But you're right, Chris, like staying calm. If you also panic while they are pa- panicking, that is not helpful. Right. And so staying in control, I've even read things like um, sometimes like giving pressure. So like a hug can sometimes help applying like really deep pressure on their body can help if they're having a panic attack. I've read things like doing, hey, I want you asking them, focus on five things you can see, four things you can smell, three things you can hear, two things you can touch, like going through, we've talked about some of that and I think meditation, mm-hmm. but like going through their senses to try to like ground them. It sounds a little silly, but like, Hey, you're here, you're in your body. You're okay. All of these things function. You're just having a moment where you feel very out of control. And Absolutely. so that can help too. I think if we can help them avoid or reduce avoidance. So like I said, they might want to avoid places or events that trigger panic attacks, but avoiding it can actually make it worse. And like I said, kind of lead to this panic disorder. So help them make that trigger if they feel like it's a trigger, a safe place. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, if if the first panic attack happened at a certain place, Mm -hmm. maybe it was in their bedroom or in a city park or wherever it was, that you as the trusted adult are able to go with them to that place uh, as, as a person of safety and say, Hey, I'm with you. You know, let's, let's go. And, and, you know, it might feel weird to go back there or, but to, to, to know, Hey, there's, there's nothing inherent about this place or doing this thing. That's going to cause mm-hmm. that. Um, and to, like you said, to, you know, almost to avoid avoidance, let's, let's, let's step right into mm-hmm. this and see that, you know, there's nothing, nothing spooky here um, that you don't have to avoid this or you don't have to avoid that emotion. We don't have to avoid that thing unless it's unsafe, obviously um, that might've triggered that. Right. And I feel like I've heard cars can be a big trigger sometimes of driving, especially if they're new drivers. 
And so maybe being like, hey, we're going to have patience. And if I need to drive you around a little more, or if I need to be in the car with you for a while to make sure that you feel safe, we can do that. Or let's go drive in the parking lot, you know, yes. whatever that is. Yeah. Just some, you know, more, just reduce the, reduce the inputs. Right. Or let's just go sit in the car for a little while and talk and have conversations mm-hmm. in the car where you're in it and even not driving. Mm-hmm. If you are a parent or a school staff person who's unfamiliar with panic disorders or panic attacks, I would encourage you to do some more research. We are not mental health professionals. I'm doing as much research as I can to help you and to give tips, but do some research on your own so you can kind of know what you're looking for, especially if you have a teenager in your life who has that. And then, like I said, I'll wrap it up with just give patience and understanding. Um, They feel very out of control. And so anything that we can do to be empathetic and also say, hey, I'm going to be here with you as long as it takes can be really helpful. For the trend this week, Chris, let's talk about OnlyFans. OnlyFans. Now, this, I will be honest, this is not something I hear about OnlyFans all the time. Mm-hmm. And people even throw it around like jokes. It's, I, I'm proud to say, I suppose, it is not something that I have a lot of personal experience with. Mm-hmm. This is not an app that I keep on my phone. But it is, if you don't know, an online platform, an app created in 2016. And so with it, people can pay for content like photos, videos, live streams via a monthly membership. So it can be used by anyone. It is home to like writers, poets, speakers, authors, artists, chefs, more like they put their content on there. But I think what it's most commonly known for and where you maybe have heard it in a negative context is it is also known for being like a content hub for sex workers, porn stars, and other um, things like that. Which because of that, the app is 18 plus. Yes. It is. However, if your teenager has access to a credit card or another form of payment, they can subscribe to someone's content without a parent knowing. Which, you know, the when you brought this up and I was reading through this, I'm like, oh, I thought that because I'd, I'd heard some news reports about OnlyFans. They had changed their model a little bit um, a couple years back because it was really only uh, adult content that was mm-hmm. on there that was pr- primarily what you would find, but they were trying to, I don't know, clean up their streets, whatever it was, uh, and try to make more space for your, um, you know, your more art- artist chefs, the things you mentioned there, um, more, a wide range, a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still is very much a place, um, where the, the adult content lives and where people pay to, to view that. Right. And I think naturally teenagers are very curious. Mm-hmm. And so I would think even if your teenager isn't trying to get on for that stuff, I think if they're hearing about it all the time, there might be some curiosity of like, I want to check this out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying that this is a huge issue for teenagers and your teenager might have zero interest or even know what we're talking about. But I think it's worth bringing up because like I said, you hear about it quite a bit. And so it might be something that they're interested in. I will say in May of 2019, they introduced a new account verification process. So if you are creating an account or a creator, you have to provide a selfie along with an ID image to prove their identity. However, I have read and seen that underage users use other people's IDs if they look similar enough, um, maybe a parent if they look similar to them, um, and they're also creating accounts. And so it's probably not... 
it's not, well, not probably, it's not foolproof. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they are trying to do things to limit that, to limit um, underage users getting on there, but it is not foolproof. Now, cost access profile pages varies um, and the creator sets that price. And so some pages might be free. You could charge up to $250 for a multi-month bundle subscription. Some are free, but ask you to enter credit card information anyways to view their content. They can charge for specific posts. I've heard people talking about that they, you can like be charged and you can request specific things from creators. Hmm. And so there are a lot of ways to do that. Almost like an a la carte option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now why would teens get on OnlyFans? Like I said, I think curiosity is some of it. Some may do it to make extra money. Um, Chris and I were talking about this and I don't have research on this, but I think OnlyFans isn't only like explicit or pornographic content, but sometimes it could be like weird things. Kind, like, of, feti- kind of fetishy, yes. fetishizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Like feet or, you know what I mean? Stuff like that, that isn't even necessarily sexual in nature, but maybe a teenager could feel like, hey, I can show my feet. I never have to show my face and I can make some money on the side. Mm-hmm. And so, but I was telling Chris, that's still probably not an environment or the type of people that you want interacting with your teenager right? on the internet. Um, and this is something that I've seen make its way even into TikTok and Instagram of other influencers posting very innocent things and what people will get on and comment um, is very concerning mm-hmm. and kind of raises eyebrows of like, oh, that makes you not want to post anything on the uh-huh. internet. But I think some of that is coming from this OnlyFans um, stuff because that is where you can find it. Um, like I said, it's linked closely to adult content. That's not all it is. So if I think don't jump to conclusions, but other content does not require nudity or sexual acts to make money. And so they might just see it as an opportunity to get on there and poke around or to see what there is. Well, and two, I mean, OnlyFans, even if they have expanded their audience a little bit, it's still kind of what it's known for. And mm-hmm. and it it's kind of hard to escape that. And it's it, it takes more than just a year or two to 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 clean that up, so to speak. And so if you're if you're you know, if your teenager has some kind of interest in it, or if you guys have a, a open enough relationship where you're talking about this stuff, um, sometimes that association, even if it is innocent, isn't maybe what your teenager wants for the future. Um, just to to have their name or their likeness associated with that, even if it's not pornographic in nature. And so, those are conversations I think that are worth having. Um, and if you are needing to make extra money, that's not the only way you can do it. There's other ways you yeah. can do that as well. And it's good conversations to have as well. Well, I think too, I read, um, I'll have to go back and see if I can find it. Cause it came across like not my research for this, but randomly, um, I saw an article that was talking about like the top build people for only fans. Like, I think people see them and be like, man, they're making a ton of money, but it's only a few people who make that kind of money. And mm-hmm. your average user is really not making very much money mm-hmm. because only fans keeps a good portion of it. Right. And so I think also that, which I think you can get into anything of like multi-level marketing or whatever you talk about. I think teenagers think, man, this is my opportunity to make it big. And like, just because you see one person who's doing it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful for you as well. And so some things that you can do as an adult, especially if you're a parent with a teenager, 
Make sure your ID is not available for them to use. If you have a teenager who looks very similar to you, just watch those things. To get paid through OnlyFans, so if they set up a creator account, you have to have bank information. And so make sure that that is secure as well. Or you're just having, that's just a good conversation to have with your teenagers in general about safety and when we can use our bank information and when we can't um, for internet use, especially. And then as always, we're going to encourage you to have a conversation with your teens. If this is an app that you see on their phone or something in their browser history, or you think this might be something that they're doing because you've heard them mention it, have a conversation with them and just Mm -hmm. be really honest of like, hey, have you heard about this? What have you heard? Are your friends Mm -hmm. talking about it? And why do you think a teenager would even want to get on a site like that? You don't have to ask it in a way that's going to get them defensive. Just come at it of like, hey, I'm really curious. I heard about this on the Teen Life podcast. Hmm. Why don't you tell me more about it? Um, And start a conversation with your teen. For the tip, Chris, this is something that I actually heard on another podcast. And the podcast host has ADHD. And so she was talking about how hard tasks are sometimes for her to get done because her brain can ping pong around and she'll walk in a room with a goal in mind and then leave doing nothing that she had walked into the room to do. And I thought this was really good, especially if you have teenagers in your classroom or in your house of like, how can we help students with ADHD who might have trouble completing tasks? Um, And her biggest tip was to create a task list. Now, I'm a taskless person. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think I have ADHD, but maybe I do. But I have to do tasks lists. And so I was all in on this. But they said the best way to do it is to break down each task into even smaller tasks. And so instead of saying something like, hey, go clean your room, have them write out what does that look like? That could look like picking up the clothes picking up the trash, making your bed, um, putting trash in laundry, putting away folded clothes. Like, I mean, you break it down into like as small of pieces as you absolutely can. Mm -hmm. And then instead of them walking in a room and being overwhelmed and not even starting, they can maybe at least get through some of the things on that list and it looks better than it did before. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, um, you know, that that could be done with a handwritten, you know, just a piece of paper or there's uh, most task apps and you can get them for free now have uh, Mm -hmm. tasks and subtasks um and so taking advantage of how um how those are broken down and you can assign their names to it you can assign um dates and times and those kinds of things and so um i think that could be a really i I love that idea because yeah that for most people task lists are just a part of life Um, But for a kid who might have ADHD, um, really offers a tremendous amount of structure um, when they might get distracted really, really easily. Right. Even things like the Notes app now has, you can create a a list where you can check things off. So like not just bullet points, but you could actually, so they don't even necessarily have to download something new, but even the, like the process of marking something complete is helpful. Mm-hmm. as well. And so, like I said, as a parent, this could be helpful. Maybe as a teacher, if they have a big project coming up, encourage your students, hey, I want you to write out every single step that you can think of that you're going to need to do for this project. Instead of just turn this project in, it could be make note cards, do research, write the paper, like 
have them break it down that much. And that could also be really helpful for the students that you interact with. And with that, that's a wrap on this episode. So we hope that you will subscribe. If you're not already subscribed in your favorite podcast app, follow us on social media. That's where we give even more tips and tricks and behind the scenes. And if you were listening and thought of a friend as you were listening, text this episode to them and share it. That really helps us get the word out about what we're doing here. And if you can leave a review, we would love that too. We'd love your feedback on what you like about the Teen Life Podcast or what we can cover in the future. Um, You can always send us an email to podcast at teenlife.ngo2 as well for that. And with that, we'll see you next week.